shooting. Skimmer Way near Lakewood, Charles 478, Tango. Thank you for joining us on Inside EMS. Now the always entertaining Chris Zebalero and the Ted Nugent of EMS, Kelly Grayson. Well, this is it. Here we go with episode 150 of the Inside EMS podcast. And I cannot go any further without my partner, Kelly Grayson. KG, come on in here for number 150. Oh, Three whole years, Three Chris. years, brother. Man, where you where have that? the years gone? Yeah. And actually, we started the show on April 3rd, uh, 2014, and here we are now, three years later. So now I guess we're on the march to 200, man. I think we yeah. got to think about some succession planning. Who's going to who's gonna carry this tradition on when we're old and gray? I, I don't know what it says about my life that, that you were one of the, the top three or four longest-lasting relationships I've ever had. Well, I can see that, though. I mean, it's been cantankerous over the past there's, few there's years. There's my ex-wife, there's been Nancy, and then there's Chris Ceballero, So, uh, I don't know, know that I want to be in that. I don't know that I want to be in that uh, list. The first two are definitely better looking than you are, you know? So, Well, thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Because oh, if you found me attractive, you look, if yeah. you found me attractive, I think there'd be some other discussions. But yeah, another, so Kelly, another way you might look at it is, is anyone I've had a relationship for longer than three years I've, I've had sex with. So, uh, oh, my goodness. 200 might be scary for you. I think that the 150 <laughs> may be the last show that we do <laughs> with attitude like that. But, uh, Kelly, I mean, so when we think about where we came from and when we think about, you know, what we've done over the past three years, I mean, I think that there's a lot of things to talk about. One of the things I think we want to do today is we're going to maybe talk about the last three years, talk about some of our favorite episodes, talk about some of our favorite guests, and then kind of uh, talk about, you know, what what people can expect maybe for the next year as we march towards 200. You know, for you, Kelly... You know, what does it mean to be, you know, part of the show? I mean, I, I have my own feelings and I'll share those with you, but what does it mean being the co-host of the Inside EMS podcast? I've, uh, I've enjoyed the heck out of it, man. It gives me a chance to every, every, uh, week when we record, it gives me a chance to just kind of rap about what's, what's going on, uh, in EMS and, and, uh, you know, I don't always get that opportunity to do that with my partners, you know, and our podcast has always been that, that, uh, the concept is it's two guys sitting in the front of the ambulance talking and, and just, uh, sharing their views about EMS. I don't get all, always get a chance to, to do that with my, uh, my partners. They uh, may not be as as uh, clued into current issues in EMS as I am, or they may have a totally different perspective on things, and uh, or I may have to wake them up <laughs> to, to even have a conversation with them. Or more correctly, they probably have to wake me up as as, as much as they run us and post us. So uh, we don't get to have much conversations uh, about EMS in general. We we generally gripe about our dispatcher. Uh, but we don't, uh, don't get that chance to, to do everything. So this is man, you know, coming online with you is, is like a little miniature EMS conference, uh, uh, walking through the, the, uh, exhibit hall every, uh, every day. Cause, uh, we get to, you know, see, get outside my own bubble and, and see how people, uh, outside my agency look at EMS. It's fun. Yeah, and I think that that's one of the things, you know, when we talked about developing the show and, you know, we go back for a long time, I mean, because even though we've been recording for three years, it took me about a good year to uh, get this show online as well. So it's been a labor of love, certainly over the past, uh, you know, few years. And one of the things mm -hmm. that I wanted to be able to do was I wanted to be able to find a, a, a co-host that would be able to... Um, 
you know, be, 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 we can be cantankerous. We can argue about mm-hmm. things. We can, and we do have a lot of similarities uh, in our approach to EMS. But I think that we have a lot of differences, and I think that's made for some really great conversation over the past three years as well. Because, you know, I, I think that uh, you may say that I have some, that I may have some views that you don't agree with. I could say that I don't have, but what's really great is is debating those views and Mm -hmm. uh, you've been really great to to, you've been really great to do that with yeah i think uh uh you know a regular debate with people who have um uh contrary opinions to your own especially when you're debating people who have actually thought out those opinions and they're just not just knee-jerk reactions uh uh, they make you challenge your own assumptions and that's always an intellectually that's a good thing Uh, so Thank you every week for for proving to me that I am indeed right, oh, yeah. uh, and I, I I love you for that, man. I appreciate that, dude. <laughs> you know, so let's talk about. I mean, 150 shows. I mean, we go back to the third of April, 2014, and we've had a lot of shows, and we've had a lot of great guests, and you know, we've had a lot of opportunities. So if I ask you, uh, maybe a couple of the shows that stand out for you, and then let's kind of touch on the relevancy of of where they are today. And, uh, you know, how we've kind of grown through the years. Well, there's one that stands out uh, uh, that I, I just want to kind of announce and brag on myself. It's uh, it's uh, our nutrition episodes and our, our healthy eating episodes we did with Brian Fass. Um, because uh, I remember back at EMS Expo, uh, you and Greg both talked to me that you were concerned about my health. Um, you notice that it seemed like I was breathing heavy, uh, on the podcast, uh, and, uh, you wanted me to, to get in better shape. So, uh, I adopted some of Brian's healthy eating habits. Uh, not all of them. I, I still can't handle the, the almond flavored sadness water. Uh, and I will still occasionally eat white foods cause I am a redneck boy and, uh, I like my, uh, my processed foods. Uh, but I'm doing better. And, um, since January the 5th, I've dropped 40 pounds and haven't really even tried hard at it. It's, uh, it has not been a, uh, a struggle at all for me. And, um, uh, steadily trending downward, man, by the time, uh, the, the next, uh, 200 show runs around, um, I'm probably going to be maybe a hundred pounds less. It's going to be nice. And I think that Brian really gave us some good information and, and some really good direction. And, you know, it's one of the things in EMS that we don't, we, we, we spend a lot of time taking care of other people, but we don't yeah. spend a lot of time taking care of ourselves. And I think that that's uh, some of the realization that he brought with you. And I got to say, I think that Brian was one of my favorite guests because he, he really, when we talk about, you know, learning as part of, you know, mm-hmm. back in the old days, you know, we used to talk about the clinical issue and take a seat at the guest table. And, you okay. know, so, but we've grown. And, and when we think about being two paramedics that sit in the truck, um, he, he brought us a lot of information that we didn't know. And uh, it's good that it's working for you, man, because I do want to see you uh, get to 200. And uh, it's good that you're keeping in shape and you're being physically fit. But we need to get Brian back on because I think that uh, he needs to have a regular spot on our show so he can make sure that the audience is doing what they need to do and really kind of get healthy. You know, one of the things that uh, I enjoyed the debates on with you, Kelly, was when we talk about community paramedicine. I mean, Mm -hmm. if if you think about where you were when we first started, your position was this has, uh, you know, you weren't very uh, on board with the whole community paramedic transition. And Mm -hmm. hopefully, I think, through our discussions, you seem to have grown. And as I went back to the archives, you seem to have grown to the, uh, I guess, maybe the the side of saying this this may be something we've got to pay more attention to. 
you know, I've, I've always been a, a fan of and supporter of, of increasing EMS's role in, in healthcare uh, and, and taking a, a seat at the big kids table. Um, and, and anytime where we can feasibly uh, expand our skill set and our knowledge base and, and provide more value uh, to the, the citizenry we serve, uh, I think that's a good thing for EMS. My, my initial issues were is, is, is community paramedicine just duplicative of, of services that other healthcare professions already provide like home health and, and, uh, and that sort of thing. Um, and how are we going to pay for it? Well, I, I think that the the value of, of uh, mobile integrated health is that, you know, no two systems are the same. You can be responsive to your community's needs. Uh, so duplicating others' efforts is not necessarily a, a problem anymore. The question still remains is how are we going to pay for it? But, you know, uh, in the past three years, we've noticed that uh, – that, uh, People have come up with uh, with new uh, and innovative funding methods, and CMS is starting to look at at a lot of these community uh, health uh, or these CMS is starting to look at a lot of these mobile integrated healthcare programs uh, as test beds for maybe a few years down the road. Um, uh, changing that reimbursement model uh, away from just purely fee for transport, and uh, if if that does happen, and 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 uh, community paramedicine is is what helped drive it, uh, I think it's going to be great for our career field. So yeah, I'm I'm you're slowly winning me over, man. I'm slowly becoming a fan. And I think that a lot of insurance companies are now starting to get involved and in wanting to pay for yeah. the service. So we're starting to see that. You know, one of the topics too, Kelly, there was there was a couple that we spent some time on multiple shows. One was should paramedics be armed? Another one mm-hmm. was we spend a lot of time on professionalism and how we look and how we act on scene. And mm-hmm. uh, it seems that those are reoccurring topics that we've discussed quite a few times, yep. especially the arming of, of, of paramedics. And I got to tell you, I mean, where I am now, I think we're going to eventually get to a day where our paramedics may be armed. Yep. Um, and, and it's looking that way uh, in in plenty of states. Uh, our Texas is now uh, – looking at a bill to allow uh, responders to be armed and, and a number of other states have adopted laws that allow uh, EMTs to carry on duty on the ambulance. And, you know, people assume that with my the, the tagline you hung me with, uh, the Ted Nugent of EMS, that I'd be rabidly in favor of that. Uh, and politically, I'm, my position has always been I'm not going to deny another human being uh, a legal means of defending themselves. So I may not feel strongly enough about the issue to say, you know, to go tell uh, EMTs in Kentucky that, that you should or should not carry firearms. But if it is legal for them to do so, I have no problems doing that. Um, it's a personal decision for me. I'm just not going to carry a firearm on the ambulance. Most likely not going to do that. Uh, number one, it's too problematic with all the times I'd have to disarm in, in the places that I go into. Um, legislatively, uh, you know, we are we are uh, prohibited from carrying firearms unless we're commissioned law enforcement officers in, in a great many places, like every hospital we go into. Um, so, you know, more laws than, uh, need to change than just allowing EMTs to carry on an ambulance. But the biggest issue for me is, is the shift in mindset. You know, uh, I, when I'm on duty, I'm, I'm trying to be a caregiver and, and trying to be, uh, uh, not look at every patient as a potential adversary. Um, you, you can't really do that when you're carrying a weapon. Um, 
uh, our I don't know, secretary. Man. I mean, yeah, you, you do. I got, man. A different, look, I got a different mindset is, than that. Yeah, man. but but hey, that you said it right there. Mindset. The weapon is the mindset. The, the firearm is just the tool you use to carry it out. Um, and I don't know that the, the caregiver mindset and the self-defense mindset are all that compatible. Um, I, uh, I'm generally an, uh, a fairly nice person. And when I'm carrying a firearm, which is pretty much every day I'm not on an ambulance, uh, I'm a much nicer person, more gentle in my speech, and so on and so forth. But I'm also critically evaluating people um, on whether they might be threats. That's, you know, uh, do you really live that? Is that how you really live? I mean, well, it's you, not so much. Well, no, it's, it's just situational awareness. You know, you so can just you, because you're carrying you a weapon, is most, what you, just because you're carrying a weapon means that you're, you're analyzing people differently because you have that thing on your hip. Right. Uh, and not, well, and no, not just because I'm carrying a weapon, just because I am not in the business of when I'm off duty, not in the business of, uh, of, of looking to, to help people at every moment. I'm well, in the business of, of, uh, assuring my personal safety. So, um, whether that's, whether I'm carrying a firearm or not during those times is immaterial. As I said before, the weapon is the mindset. Um, it's like, uh, it's like James Mattis says, you know, be polite, be professional, have a plan to kill everyone you meet. <laughs> um, we don't, we may not need to take it as, as far as the Marine Corps does in that regard, but, uh, you can have the, the best weapons training in the world, uh, and, and be an, an excellent shot and, and have gone through all the schooling in the world. But if you're not situationally aware, uh, and, and a bad moment takes you by surprise, you're likely as not to get killed. So I try to avoid places where those situations are more likely. And I try to remain situationally aware, uh, in my ambulance, that's a different story. Uh, I'm, I'm willingly take certain risks, uh, and open myself up to people because that's, what's necessary to, to gain people's trust and, uh, and develop a patient rapport. Um, but when I'm on the street, I don't care about whether somebody likes me or not. I don't care about whether someone trusts me or not. You do your thing, I'll do my thing. Um, different story in the ambulance. Yeah, so I think for me, the, it's a personal choice. And I think I'm just going to leave it with this before we move on. But one of the things that when, when I work in the ambulance is I treat everybody with the compassion and respect and, and you know the dedication they need to make sure that they receive the highest quality patient care. But with that said... Um, you always stay up on your guard of how you're going to get mm-hmm. out of that situation, of how you're going to defend yourself, of how you're going to, if this should happen, how you're going to handle those things. And I think it's the same thing when you're, you know, growing up in New York City. I, I like to say that I kind of have that street presence. And, you know, when I walk around the city, whether I'm armed or not, um, I have that same presence as well. I mean, you know, I just kind of, I just kind of continue along my business. And, you know, if things uh, move to a uh, uh, position where I have to defend myself, doesn't mean I'm going to the hip or doesn't mean that I'm going to my waist. Um, but anyway, I mean, they were good topics. But here's another one that made you crazy for a long time, Kelly. Cameras, mm-hmm. in, cameras in the ambulance. I still don't think they're a good idea. I think it's a, it's the camel's nose under the tent and we're, and it's a way for absentee medical. That's right, man. Once you let the camel's nose under the tent, pretty soon that sucker's bunking with you. Um, it's, it's a slippery slope. 
Uh, now you can talk all you want to about how oversight and and uh, and uh, we can use cameras to refute uh, allegations against paramedics and and that sort of thing. But those are all uh, those are all the the uh, good intention flagstones that pave the way to hell. <laughs> um, yeah, but one I, of the things I, that, think I think that, that, I think the problem is this. I don't know that the problem is cameras. I think it's the problem with leadership. And your fear is that, and your fear leadership is that leadership so is going to abuse. You're darn right. So that's a You're different thing. Right. Here's because another one we good talked leadership, about. Good leadership in EMS is a heck of a lot less common uh, than bad leadership. You know that was very profound. That was a it very is. profound statement. You know, you think about it. You're you you talk about leadership. That's your thing. Uh, what would you say is more common? An effective good leader or really bad examples of leadership. I think that the, I would say that the, the, the example is that we have no training for our leaders and they're trying to do the best that they can without that training. So mm -hmm. can we say that it's bad? Can That's a very that? politic response thing. Here's another, <laughs> here's another topic that made us crazy for a long time. Ebola. Oh Lord. Yeah. Um, I doesn't make me crazy. Cause as I've said, my T cells will attack squirrels in the backyard. Ebola don't want none of this boy. No, I want to get none of that uh, KG. Huh? That. No, no. Yeah. Uh, Ebola. I don't get Ebola. Ebola gets Kelly. Oh, I see. That's really Ebola good. gets Kelly. That's what, you know, if, if Ebola was ever, uh, exposed to me, you would find that Ebola after that mutates into a far less virulent, uh, deadly strain because, um, I kick its butt. Ebola don't want none of this, yeah, yeah. Uh, man. Crazy. I was a kid. I, I swam in ditches and, 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 uh, uh, oxidation ponds as a kid without knowing it. I mean, I'm sure that, uh, E. Coli has, has, has tried to get a foothold here and, and, uh, I've chased it off. Uh, I had the a, sniffles and aches. You're just a man's man. And that's for sure. That's boy. it, man. I had the sniffles and aches last, uh, last month and it, and it turned out to be hemorrhagic fever. And, uh, you know, I'm, I took some ibuprofen. I got over it. <laughs> But okay. we do. So it, let me it does poke out. So it, the the Ebola epidemic does poke some serious holes in in our concept of how well we do infection control and decontamination and all that yeah. and that sort of thing. That, that if it puts a scare into EMS providers into being more diligent about cleaning their rigs and and and, and uh, protecting themselves through use of personal protective equipment, I think that's a uh, ultimately a good thing. Um, not that Ebola is a good thing, but if we learn the proper lessons from it, uh, it's going to help us uh, in far more things than just uh, managing the next Ebola outbreak. Right. Well, we had a, another thing that we had is we had a lot of great guests on the show. You know, we had, <laughs> you know, uh, Dr. Peter Antevi, which is a great guest, Dan Limmer, which is a great guest, yep. and, you know, Sean Eddy, and, you know, we had Steve Whitehead and Greg Freeze mm -hmm. uh, debate whether field mistakes uh, were something that EMS needs to prepare for. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and uh, if you have, a, if you have a favorite couple guests, Kelly, who would they have been? Um, well, Pete, for one thing about, you know, changing that, that, uh, that mindset about pediatric care, first of all, making it less stressful for us, uh, and, and changing the paradigm that, that, uh, you know, pediatric patients are treated significantly differently than adult patients. And I have said that uh, I've, I've used that as a mantra throughout my teaching careers. Uh, you know, kids are not little adults. Physiologically, they're different. Uh, their dosing, uh, uh, dosing for medications is different, uh, so on and so forth. And, and all those things are true, but it fosters the mindset that you approach patient care 
radically differently when it's a pediatric patient than you do from an adult. And with, with Pete's system, you know, with the, with the hand heavy, uh, pediatric box and, and, and his advocacy of, of letting, uh, of working your pediatric patients on scene, uh, or your pediatric arrest patients on scene, same as you would an adult and, and the simplification of the drug dosages, it allows us to, to kind of approach pediatric care, uh, with the same strengths and skill set that we had in, in adult care. Uh, and that they're not that different. So uh, I think that that alone uh, really reduces people's stress level when it comes to pediatric uh, pediatric resuscitation. So yeah. Pete would be one of my favorites, uh, you know, and I always love to talk about Greg Freeze. Oh, he's going to fire uh, you. He's gonna, <laughs> Greg, Greg we need to think about a, par- a partner change. But, um, but we had, you, you know, know, we had, a, you know, I, I enjoyed the chats we had with Donnie Richard when he came in and he talked about the Brattleboro Retreat. And oh, yeah. you know, those are things because we've spent a lot of time over the years and we've discussed, you know, the, the PTSD issue. We discussed mm-hmm. trying to bring awareness. We are supporters of the Code Green campaign and we try to bring awareness yeah. to that. And I think when Donnie was here to talk about the Brattleboro Retreat, mm-hmm. it really kind of gave the people out there an understanding of, you know, that there was something out there for them, you know. And I, yeah. I think that that was really important. And I think we've had a lot of great folks who've come in. And they've shared their expertise with us. And we've really tried to bring a focus to a lot of different areas of, uh, of training that mm-hmm. we don't have as EMS providers. You know, and, well, one of my favorites was uh, Ray Barashansky. Uh, Who is that? Ray, now, Ray Barashansky. Raphael M. Barashansky, Esquire. <laughs> is he an Esquire? Um, uh, no, I don't think he's an Esquire, but he darn well should be. He is the probably the best dressed paramedic out there, and with the, and with great the best hair, hair with the best hair in the, EMS, the best hair and the best socks in in EMS. Uh, and you know, Ray's our our uh, our star child that that has grown from an EMS career to into something much bigger, uh, but still brings that EMS sensibility to it. Uh, you know, it's not often that, that we have someone, uh, who still thinks of himself as a paramedic, uh, making major policy decisions, uh, in, in government. And that's what Ray's doing now. And, and, and I think he's a a shining example of, of how to advance, uh, as a profession, uh, without actually leaving EMS. You don't have to get into nursing or get into PA and leave EMS behind. Uh, Ray did it, and now he's the, the Deputy Undersecretary of Health in Pennsylvania. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you see this guy, at a, uh, saw him at an EMS conference a couple of weeks ago, and, and uh, um, he's the, the Bureau of EMS Director's boss now. And, and uh how cool is that, that you have somebody that high up in your state department of health, uh, who still thinks of himself as a paramedic and, and is conversant and, and, uh, well-versed in EMS issues. Very good. I mean, very, very big role model for everybody in the career field. Mm-hmm. You know, we also had great chats with Lenwood Brown, the third, of course, yep. Noah Filer was there who come in and shared his, uh, tragic, uh, his tragic accident and how he's and ultimately redemptive, uh, exactly. story too. And how about Kimberly Stanford? I mean, she came and we talked about autism, and we did a couple of shows with her. We I know really a need whole to get lot her. more about autistic patients now. That's we for really sure. need, and I know about autistic uh, co-hosts. And you know, so <laughs> one of the things that we need to do is we need to work on getting her back here. But uh, you know, Kelly, over the past three years, I mean, we've done a lot, and we've talked about a lot, and we've shared a lot, and mm-hmm. we've had a lot of great people that have come through our our program and. 
you know, I'm really kind of looking forward to the next year and uh, to see what, uh, you know, the March Towards 200 is going to do. And uh, it's just amazing. It doesn't seem like we've been doing it for as long as we have. No. And I still think that there's tons and tons and tons more within our career field that we can talk about and make an opinion on. Yeah, I, I think the more we, we bring these issues to light uh, and, and discuss them, rather than just keeping our, our focus in talking about EMS to what current bitch we have with our organization or our patients and, and, and keep our focus broader, uh, encourages others to do the same. And, you know, and as you move up that career hierarchy where you're, you, you get to the point where you're not struggling with your paycheck and you're not, uh, and God, we've had, uh, we've had some, some excellent guests on, on that subject as well, how to, how to live within your means and, and to uh, make better use of your money. But when you get to that point where you start to turn your view toward EMS as a profession and your, and your place in it, um, I, I think our, our conversations really help foster that because uh, we, we go all over the map, man. And, uh, but it's, uh, it's not just a, a gripe fest in the front of the ambulance. Right. Uh, it's, we, we talk about substantive issues. I, God, it sounds so pompous when we do that. Uh, when I say that substantive issues, uh, but it's true, you know, and right. the more EMS talks about those things and, and, and the less we do about our, uh, the, the bitch fest, uh, I think the better off we're going to be as a career field. So I think this is the last question that I want to ask you, and I'm going to kind of share my thoughts uh, before I hand it off to you for yeah. your opinion and then the close. What do you think, uh, what do you want to see for the next year uh, for us as hosts and for the you know Inside EMS podcast? One of the things that I would like to do is I would like to see us maybe dedicate a show a month to doing mentorship. And we had a show oh, just yeah. recently where we had a lot of great response from folks as we were talking about developing our confidence, I think that was just last week's show. Mm -hmm. And uh, we got a lot of response from people, and they want to hear more about that. So maybe we talk a little bit about a, a mentorship show where we talk about uh, best practices within the career and, and how we do our jobs the best we can. The other thing that I would like to focus on this year is I would like to try to grow our numbers as we go towards 200. So mm -hmm. if you're a loyal listener of the show help us in growing those numbers and bringing more listeners to the show. And, you know, we, we see a lot of the same folks who are downloading the show every single week. And we appreciate that. And, and, and you're the folks that we talk to. You're the folks that we want to entertain and inform and persuade mm -hmm. and uh, help us now grow our audience. And we're going to probably start the campaign calling bring a friend to the show day. <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, turn someone on to Inside EMS Podcast. You know, we try very, very hard to bring you the content that you want to hear. We, we take your listener suggestions and try to turn those into shows. And uh, I got to tell you, man, I'm really excited for the next year and to see how we can better what we've already done and the tradition that we've set. How about you, Kelly? Yeah. What, do you, what do you expect you know. for the next year? I expect uh, the mentorship issue you touched on. Uh, you stole that idea from me. I was going to say the, the very same thing, but uh, I, you know, as as the year progresses, I'd like to I'd like to see more of our. Uh, 
new advances in, in clinical medicine and, and diagnostic capabilities and things. We've touched on some of those as they've come about. And, and uh, it's interesting looking at our shows from three years ago and looking at them from now. And three years ago, we weren't thinking about point-of-care ultrasound and, and that sort of thing. And, uh, and, and those things have changed. So it, it's nice to be able to, to highlight new clinical advances uh, on our show um, and, and the mentorship. But uh, I, I want to, over the next year, I would like to be able to, to highlight some success stories about mental health uh problems in EMS, you know, and, and highlight some, some agencies who have, have realized that uh, their provider's mental health is paramount uh, and the steps they've taken to assure, the, uh, to assure the, their mental well-being and, and uh, emotional well-being and, and to support their people. So, you know, that would be the culmination of things we've talked about for three years, uh, that the, the mental and, and psychological toll that, that uh, our career field often takes on the people who practice it. Um, but what we, we haven't had a whole lot of is, is success stories, you know. Um, we haven't had a whole lot of, of agencies uh, or people that have said, hey, you know, uh, I had this happen to me and this is how my agency handles this and it really helped me deal with this particular call or it really helped me deal with these uh with these uh issues that are plaguing me um and and hopefully in the next year we'll start to see some of those success stories and uh where uh we see where our our awareness has paid off but hey that's what we think we'd like to hear what you think and some of our best shows come from uh listener questions so email us at the show at ems1.com don't forget to rate us on itunes and bring a friend next time you come listen and for myself and co-host chris Sebolero, thanks for tuning in to inside ems we'll catch you next week on our march to 200 episodes